Welcome to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the podcast. I'm super fired up today. I have with me Eddie Williams. Eddie is a pastor up in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, he is the creator of Neck X Nihilo Health, which we're going to talk a lot about. He also played in the NFL for a period of time. And so on that note alone, I'm excited to welcome Eddie to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be with you, man. Thanks a lot. So, you know, we, we, we were talking uh, just for a couple minutes offline before we jumped in, but um, you know, right now, and, and this is just going to like, maybe light the firework, but you know, right now we are in, um, one of the craziest times. I mean, definitely, and I'm 42, so definitely the craziest time probably in, in my lifetime. Um, and, and probably for most anybody living at this point. And so in the midst of, um, the COVID pandemic, that is ongoing and for somebody that is super passionate about health wellness fitness particularly as it relates to how the bible speaks to that stuff as a pastor trying to help people navigate through all of those challenges then you put on top of that which in some sense i believe has been a far greater strain and stress and struggle with issues of racial tension and inequality and you are a person of color. And so that lays on you. Uh, and then on top of all of that, you're just, you're a pastor of a church, which brings about its own responsibility. I know you're married. And so like, what is like a day in the life for you? Like what have your days looked like trying to navigate and work through this and maintain, maintain some level of, I don't know, consistency. Maybe it's a good question. <laughs> A good word. No, I, well, again, thanks for having me, Ryan. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting you say that how it works because I feel in some ways I'm you know, more physically busy than I've been in a while. You know, like before we we thought that would be less. I think it was less for a while, and then we got we went through this phase where we were like needed to schedule as many Zoom meetings as we could to keep busy. You know, and then we got to the point where like, wait a minute, we don't really need all these meetings. So like, what are we doing here? And then I feel like now I'm at this point where everybody's kind of starting a new project or, you know, Adam Carolla had this really funny quote, right? Right. When this all started, he's like a comedian and he was doing a, he was a correspondent on a show and, he, and they said, you know, what, what do you make of all this Adam? And he said, you know, I look at this, like I'm going to prison. Like I could either come out of this with the novel or I could come out of this with the face tattoo. Like so <laughs> which of these do I want to come out of this with? And so for me, I think I started, down the face tattoo path quite and now I, I quickly changed directions in April. I was like, I gotta come out of this with a novel. So I think for me it's just been staying staying as faithful as I can to Jesus. I feel like there was a point where I got detached from the Lord in the midst of all this because I just felt like I, I didn't know what to do. I felt like a little bit exhausted from the process. But staying close to the Lord, trying to find healthy rhythms and you know scheduling in some different things with my wife, trying to stay connected with her spiritually because we're in the same house constantly, but I feel like it's easy for people to just become roommates in that. And there's some, uh, let's be honest, there are moments where you just need to be roommates for a little bit and that's totally okay. 
but we can't only be roommates. So building in those rhythms and then just trying to see how many people I can help on the outside. So part of that's why ex nihilo health is, is kind of coming up a little bit more, but more than that, just as a pastor, how can I get into discipling relationships online and just, you know, I don't want to be another burden to somebody, but you know, how can we spend 30 or 45 minutes together talking, what's going through your mind, praying, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned the piece on, geez, on, <laughs> on the riots and all of that. And it's like, that's a whole nother thing. And so now I've got all of these friendships and, you know, with dealing with that and, and having those conversations with people that are some Christian, some not Christian, hanging out, enjoying, and then saying, Hey, this is what it looks, this is what it's like to be in my shoes for a day in the life in America. So I can go in a million different directions. I'm just going to stop right there and let you, let you jump back in because <laughs> I could talk for an hour. No, no, I, I, I kind of just think you want to. I mean, you were, you were on a really good roll there. Okay, so I, I do want to break out some of those things because I think it's important. So first, um, so, you know, obviously, you know, being a pastor, being a Christian, I think that when we experience tragedy, uh, struggle, uh, particularly the larger it gets, people start turning to um, religion. Uh, in this sense, we'll talk about Christianity um, because we're both there. But, you know, they turn there not even necessarily to to seek out for their own sense of hope, but like, well, how do you answer this question? And I know for me that happened. So back in 2017, uh, my wife and I and five of our friends were in Las Vegas when the mass shooting took place. Uh, one of our best friends was one of the 58 that was killed that night. And so when people were reaching out to me and it was you know, People Magazine and Anderson Cooper's team at CNN, like it was crazy, but they were always asking, you know, well, as a pastor, you know, how do you handle the, you know, mental health or issue of guns? And so as, as this, as again, we're, we're, we're living in two crazy, crazy uh, challenges or with two crazy challenges with issues of racism right now and issues of a pandemic. And so you're, you're kind of the target of both at the moment. And so how have you dealt with just the weight and pressure? Um, and I'm imposing on you the fact that that's happening. Maybe you're like, I don't know how to deal with it at all. But how are you dealing with that and kind of navigating through to make sure that you're staying well and healthy and all the while trying to help people navigate answers to those questions? Yeah, that's really good. I think in some ways, or probably in all the ways, the coronavirus and then on top of that, the back end of that, like the rip current of the global pandemic in America was George Floyd being killed. And so if you've ever, you know, ridden a wave or surfed or anything like that, and you, and you wipe, you know, you understand kind of what I'm talking about. Um, I think in some ways we're really seeing the, the, we're seeing on full scale demonstrated the limited nature of humankind for so long. Americans were at the top where we felt like we were in so, we were in so much control. Control is one of those things where you just don't understand how little of it you have until you have none of it at all. And we just really fell into this, like, this, this moment in history, this kind of cultural moment where we, we all lacked control. We all didn't have the answer. Everyone's an expert on social media right now, but none of us had the answer to this. None of us. So we were in this point where we're like, you know what? We're actually quite limited. And so when kind of all of the veneer kind of comes off this uh, the cultural veneer of, travel and money and possessions, all of those things, we're really left to, to, with the, the core of who we are. And we had to say, you know, who really am I? What do I stand for? What do I believe? 
And for a lot of my friends that, you know, maybe don't share the same faith as I do, they had to say, I really don't know the answer to that question. And that's going to drive me to one of two places. It's going to drive me to, to motivate myself to find something or it's going to drive me to despair. And I had a lot of friends driven to despair, not knowing who they actually were because they weren't being able to be distracted from the, the travel, the vacations, uh, the pursuit of, you know, whatever it is, like earning money, an income, a hobby. So I think for me, I think what I've been able to do is help point people to search for this ultimate meaning that life is ultimately, sadly enough, about this sort of suffering and that what you can do is forge an identity rooted in something other than yourself that's transcendent, that presses forward in this suffering and becomes something greater as a result. So maybe that's a little abstract, but I think that when you're searching for meaning, you kind of need that. And then for me as a pastor, I know that to be Jesus Christ. And, um, and I think that in a season like this, where, where the cultural tide goes back, the only thing that's left is the reality of, of, of who Christ is. And I've been able to go, okay, this is the rock for me. You know, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm completely, I'm worried about getting pulled over by police. I'm worried about, you know, my children. I'm worried about all these different things. But for me, the only steady constant is something that's outside of myself. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. Well, and, and I appreciate that you, you spoke to this idea of suffering, right? Because, um, one of my biggest challenges in the church, and again, like I'm a pastor and you know, my, my faith in God actually is probably at, at one of the best places it's been in a long time, maybe because of just seeing how destroyed the world is and how desperately I need Jesus. Um, but the challenge inside the church for me has often been uh, when suffering comes, it's, it's, it's even though we hear about it all the time, I mean, you know, Christ himself said, right, in this world, you will have tribulation. And, you know, I guess theologically, and this, this goes totally off kilter for some people, but I guess if you expect that to come at a later time, then this really does kind of hit you in the face. But the central point of our entire faith is around the greatest suffering and your act of suffering and tragedy that the world could have ever experienced, right? An innocent man goes to the death and literally, you know, is killed. And so the challenge in the Christian faith is that, but even in the outside world, like I've been following um, Ryan Holiday for a while. And so one of the books that he writes that I love is The Obstacle is the Way. And so even the foundation of stoicism in many ways is that we will experience suffering and it's how you endure the suffering is ultimately how you get through it and how you grow and how you learn. And so kind of on both sides, we see these examples and yet for some reason we still have not yet accepted the fact that A, we're going to have to deal with it, and B, that if we deal with it appropriately, we will actually come out the other side in one way or another better than we went in, which I guess goes to your face tattoo or novel idea, right, <laughs> from earlier. Right. And I think, I think you're right on about the stoicism. I think like a lot of secular minds are catching on with this idea that suffering is a, a necessary part of the human life. There was a kind of a, a movement for a while in the church, and I think still kind of still going. And then even in culture where like we just didn't talk about suffering. So like we like any movie you watch in the 70s and 80s, it was like, like, OK, main character, somebody dies in the movie. And like we just move past the funeral like as fast as we possibly can. Like if you were work at a tech company here in Silicon Valley, you get a couple of weeks of bereavement and they're like, OK, grieve and then get back to work. Like it's like a week you get 10 days of bereavement and then we need you back. And, and so we're moving past this sort of suffering because we just don't want to think about it. But I think secular minds, like even like Jordan Peterson, somebody like that, um, is, is understanding the concept of suffering as meaningful. I think that's where 
modern, uh, what, what would it be called? Like uh, the intellectual dark web, these type of people, they're kind of clashing with really a Christian ethic that's been pr prominent in the faith, obviously, since Christ suffered and died on behalf of human beings. Yep. And I think that those sort of people are maybe two or three steps behind the eight ball in discovering um, this sort of depravity of man, understanding that human beings are are, are broken fundamentally and that no amount of education or learning will probably ever help them enough. But what we can do is find a way not only to just like manage it, but to, to thrive with in the midst of it. But then on the other side, I guess the Christian ethic is how do I come out at the other side in glory in a way that um, is honoring the God and that God can finally, but, and then the other thing is that suffering does actually eventually end in the Christian ethic, which maybe in, in, in other worldviews, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. You know, and I think one of the other kind of like challenges again, inside of Christianity that we face is there aren't that many prominent figures that are speaking to the idea of suffering in a way that people easily relate to. Right. I mean, I think of like, you know, uh, pastors like maybe a John Piper or, R.C. Sproul. I mean, you have to be in, in a very specific camp in Christianity to, to follow men like that and, and hear what they're saying. But outside of that, we just don't get those narratives very often. And so again, so people go seeking outside of that, which is why people latched on to Jordan Peterson. Like, I mean, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever heard speak on so many different topics, but he comes up short, right, as, as it relates to Christianity. And yet many Christians were holding on to him because he was speaking to things that they could understand, and then he was connecting them to things that they believed, which is really dangerous. And so I guess part of this maybe is like, you know, when are we going to begin to see more people that are speaking out in a way and gaining influence as a result of that? I mean, maybe they're not going to gain influence because nobody wants to hear about suffering. I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, people are suffering now, and that's the thing. The church, um, for you know, whatever people, listeners believe about the church, that I think some one of the things that turned me off as a as a, a seeker, so to speak. I guess I've never categorized myself that way, but <laughs> someone who's in college looking to figure out like who is this God dude, you know. Um, I, one of the things that turned me off was this sort of happy-go-luckyism within Christianity that um, really never talked about hard things. And my story is tough. Like I, I was raised in a single-parent home. My dad left my family when I was eight years old. Uh, my mom died of cancer when I was 13. I was in a foster system briefly. Um, I, I just, all these different things. I uh, grew up in section eight, getting house broken into, bullied, the whole thing. And I, I just, I was only new suffering. And so when I walked into a church and they said, you know, all you gotta do is have hope um, and, and be courageous. And I was like, well, have hope in what? You know, like what, what, what exactly am I hoping in? Because life seems to suck. And if you're telling me that all I need to do is have a vague sort of spiritual idea of hope, then I'm just not buying that. You know, life has been too hard. I, I've wished upon a star a number of times, <laughs> hoping for things to change, and that hasn't worked. So there's got to be some sort of some sort of substance to um, to the Christian message, and that's where suffering comes in, because at the end of the day, when like I said, the cultural tide goes back. There's nothing left but people suffering, depression, anxiety, stress, all of these different things. Now, a racial tension. You, what do you have left? And what, what's not going to suffice is a vague spiritual message on hope. What I'm going to need is something actually to hope in. And that's what the message of Christ. And that's what he actually brings in concrete in a concrete way. Yeah, it's well, well said. <clears throat> okay, so you touched on, which 
uh, I, I got a vague idea of in, in reading up on you a little bit, but um, definitely a, an extremely difficult, difficult upbringing um, from many different regards. So at what point for you did you latch on to Jesus? And was there a moment there um, or was that a season of time of kind of changing your heart or a stage in life? What was that for you? So my mom passed when I was 13. I played football in high school after that and got a college scholarship um, and an academic scholarship to go to the University of Idaho. So the academic scholarship, they just cover the other end of all the stuff. When you have parents, you go to college, they send you money, they buy you pillows and notebooks and all that. So the, the, this other scholarship was kind of like that for me. Uh, and so in my mind, I wasn't a drinker. I didn't, I didn't date girls. I didn't, I just stayed on the straight and narrow. It was football and school for me. And I became this sort of Pharisee. I, I was in this, in this camp of like, you can never really tell me anything. Like I'd suffered more than you. I'd mm-hmm. seen more than you. Um, and I'm better than you uh, in so many ways because you had a great life and here you are, you know, doing the, the typical college routine of mm. you know, drinking, hanging out, sleeping around the whole deal. And so I just thought, I, I just sat in judgment of everybody. So getting on a team bus, going to, uh, going to go play a, one of our first games as a freshman, a guy was handing out Bibles, getting on the bus. And I just, he, he offered him, I was the last guy on and I just felt bad for the dude. No one was taking his Bibles. I'd been to church a few times here and there. Like, it's not like I was completely foreign to Jesus. Um, and I just felt bad. So I was like, yeah, I'll take one of those Bibles. And he gave it to me. He gave me a King James version with his name on it. So not, not a great place to start. If you're Super easy to read. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I go back to my room after the, the road trip and I just read it. And I read the book of John and I, that's what he told me to read. And I kept going. I read Acts and then I got to Romans and because it was next, I didn't know what else to do. I just thought, you know, this is probably, I didn't, John and Acts happened to follow like a chronological sequence. I was like, oh yeah, Romans must be part three, it kept going. And then it said, Romans one right there, it said, um, people claim to be wise in their own mind and they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then it said, you exchanged, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship created things rather than the creator. And I hit Romans one, I was like, that's me. Like I, I felt like a, a profound conviction I had, had never experienced. And so there was no like youth group moment. There was no like anything like that. It was just literally the Lord Jesus spoke to me through the power of, of the Bible, just through the scriptures. So I wish I could tell you there's a formula, but honestly I, I opened it up and I read it as truth. And I thought, and then I, what I, what I now know to be like a, a moment of conversion where I'm like, this is, this is real. Yeah. No. Um, I'm actually really glad that the story turned out that way and not some like huge provocative moment. Of, I mean, you know, my story was I grew up in the Catholic church, walked away from the church for a long period of time, went on my own way. High school was, I, I was a good person overall, made some really bad decisions, drugs, alcohol, got married at a young age uh, to my best friend of five years, four years of joy. And then we hit this moment of just mess and, you know, we were talking divorce and whatever. And, um, and, you know, I just, I had a guy say, like, you know, I asked him, I said, well, you know, tell me a little bit more about this Christianity thing. And he's like, you really have to figure it out for yourself. And he kind of gave me some idea, but he's like, you just need to go here. I walk into church on a Sunday and the guest pastor was preaching, even though I heard like the, the main guy was the cool guy. And that guy preached on a heart, what it means to be a godly husband and a godly father. And I was like, boom, right? Like it just slapped me in the face. 
Um, crazier story even than that was uh, all these years later, that is now the guy that I co-pastor the church with that we planted. So the Lord clearly had ideas. Um, but I think often that's the way it is, right? I mean, you know, we're, we're always looking for these big monumental uh, moments of like, you know, the skies opened up and, and God spoke. And it's like, no, no, no. I think for most people, and these are the conversations I'm sure, you know, you have, I have all the time, which the Lord's working on their heart, working on their heart, even through things like this, right? You want answers. Like we're not going to get necessarily a black and white answer, but you want answers to, you know, the issues of racism. Like the word speaks to that. If you want issues of why we suffer, the word speaks to that. If you want issues with why we struggle, the word speaks, right? It's like, it's all these things. And so little by little, I think people are brought to this place. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this kind of makes sense for me now. Um, so that's interesting because so you you begin your college career, you come to faith uh, early on, but your your challenges weren't over because I know that, you went to play in the NFL. I mean, it probably was not. Um, first of all, being there is far more than most anybody will ever ever accomplish in their life. But it probably wasn't, you know, what you expected or hoped for. You maybe hoped for a whole, you know, just a, a, a glorious career in the NFL. It didn't work out the way that you, you know, that you probably wanted. And so, how how did your perspective change on how you saw all the suffering you experienced growing up? Um, and then even on to then things that you would continue to experience uh, as this newfound Christian and, you know, you're now like going into adulthood farther and farther. That's a great question. I think as I, part of my story with the NFL was my mother telling me that I would, I just always go. And so there's a message in there for someone who, uh, the power of positive thinking which isn't, you know, I guess you're not going to find a chapter in that necessarily, like I'll spelled out in the gospel of Matthew or whatever. But I think there's a sense in which I just believed I would go play mm. and because that's what I was just taught. And I wanted to, and I, and I worked hard because I knew that's what it took. Mm. And people along the way told me I'd never be able to do it. My high school football coach didn't think I'd get a college scholarship to a 1A program. And I did. Uh, he didn't. Wow. My college coach, my college head coach didn't think I'd get drafted. My, uh, you know, other coaches did, but there was just a lot of people that just didn't necessarily go, I, I don't know, man. And I just kept going, no, it's going to happen, you know? And part of it was when I got to the NFL, my story kind of slowed down. I mean, I, I got, I tore my ACL my last college game. So I fell in the draft. I wasn't able to work out the combine. I went, but I didn't get to work out. And then in the NFL, as soon as I got healthy, I broke my ankle. So it was like, finally get healthy, finally start playing, finally get on the roster, break my ankle. Then I had two other back surgeries uh, in the NFL. And so I, it just did, it didn't go the way I, I went. But my positive thinking kind of stopped that get to the NFL. I never went any further. And uh, leaving the NFL, I always knew I wanted to get in the ministry. So I didn't have like the existential crisis most people do have. But what I did have was this sort of like, Man, if things would have just fell my way, I, it would have worked out differently. If this coach wouldn't have got fired, my first head coach got like they cleaned house, four and twelve season, they totally cleaned house. The team that drafts you gets gets canned, then you know that you're probably on the chopping block too, unless you're Tom Brady or something. So, and I'm not Tom Brady, so I knew that that was <laughs> that was going to happen. And part of me was like, well, if this just would have went worked out, or if that just would have worked out, or if this guy would have got hurt, or if I wouldn't have got hurt. And I had this kind of tremendous doubt for a long time mm. until I, I pieced it together and realized, you know, this doesn't have to be the end of my story. So many athletes make 
their like pinnacle moment in college or, or professional ball, like their moment. And then after that, it's just the, it's just like the, uh, the epilogue. And it's just like, how do I like make sense of my years from 21 to 25? But for me, I was like, this is actually, I can actually use the NFL as like the, the formative moments of what's coming. And so I, I decided that I wanted to use the NFL as like a jumping off point for my ministry and who I was to help serve people as best I can not be like this kind of athlete that, you know, has been who like always looks back to his glory years. I want, I want to continually learn and be in process as a person uh, of faith and then utilize the NFL to give me doors that open doors for me that other people don't have access to. So I, in other, in some ways, I'm like God's just, I'm just using what God gave me, he gave me athletic ability and hard work ethic. And he's leveraged the NFL logo to get me into rooms. And so I've been able to do that in the business world. And I've been able to do that um, in the spiritual world. And so we're, I'm able to help people come to Christ that probably never would have ever considered uh, Christianity just because I'm a big dude that like played football. They're like, well, if that guy, you know, thinks Jesus, maybe I'll at least check him out. Like, yeah. And that's kind of my story too. I mean, I follow like a Matt macho pastor guy in, in the Palouse in Northern Idaho I was like, that guy looks like he likes Jesus. He could win a fight. Like, I'll, maybe I'll check Jesus out. It's pretty simple, right? Like, that's so. However, I can do it, man. I'll do it by all means. So good. Okay, so that was such a, a, a like a pivotal statement that you made. That I, I know. I actually I do have quite a few uh, ex athletes uh, that listen regularly, follow and support me. But for anybody, I think it is so important that you go back and listen to the last last few minutes of what Eddie said there, because we, <clears throat> we create these great expectations for ourselves and rightfully so, right? Like we have these visions, this desire. Um, I, I think that we should pursue those uh, with wisdom. Uh, and then they don't always work out the way that we want them to. And uh, they become just these, these like albatross, you know, around our neck of like, they drag us down. It, it disables us from being able to progress, to move forward. And yet what I, what I like, so I coach a lot of people, entrepreneurs, C-level executives, and I'm trying to talk to people and let them know, like, look at, if you truly believe, and if you don't believe in God, this is, a, this is a little bit more challenging, but at least like if you believe that you were created with purpose, then you really cannot go wrong. You continue to do you and you put the, your best foot forward and you lean into the opportunities in front of you and you will continue to attract the right audience. You will continue to be used in amazing ways. And so that's, that story can, becomes a part of your again, back to what you said earlier, it becomes a part of this long novel that your life really is, right? It's just a chapter. It's not the end. So I love that you said that. And I wish more people would really latch on to things like that instead of allowing it to drag them down. Yeah, that's a huge problem. That was a huge problem for me. It's a huge problem for a lot of guys that play football and basketball guys I know, um, guys that are friends. And again, we, we take that pinnacle moment of our story and we think this is the height this is the height and and then we just think everything else is on the way down that's a that's a bad way to think because then you end up a 48 year old man who's looking back it's it's different when you're you retire at 28 and you're 30 but when you retire at 28 and you're 59 and you haven't grown in 30 years um then you've got a problem i think that you can use leverage these large moments and and let them compound onto a greater story 
So make sure that you're continuing to move forward because in a lot, in, in some sense, it's like, okay, if you're 25 years old, athletes at the pinnacle, that's like the size of like a, you know, that's like a Berenstein Bears book or like a Goosebump <laughs> book, right? That's like, that's nothing. So like, why not continue forward and write that giant novel and make something uh, of yourself? And you're going to be able to help a heck of a lot of people on the way. Yep. Um, and that really ties in back to the the suffering that you explained earlier, because in, in some ways we need to be able to make sense of our suffering in order to continue forward. Um, and suffering enables us to grow without suffering. You really can't grow, but that's, what's great about Christianity is it's, it's jam packed with suffering. This world is suffering and we make it make sense of it a lot easier. And so when I can look back on my failures, I can know I, I and sometimes I'm better able to deal with my failures because I understand that this isn't the end of my story that the, that in my opinion, as a, as a pastor, Christ has written the rest of my story and I can continue forward a lot easier. Yeah. And even in that, right. It's like, I don't have to love my suffering. You know, I don't have to love the fact that, you know, my parents divorced when I was six and my mom got cancer. Thank God she survived. But when I was 13 and I had, you know, uh, one of her uh, spouses that abused me, one that abused my brother. And I had a lot of broken relationships. I almost got divorced from my wife. Like, I lost a dear friend. Like there's so many things that I look back on and I'm like, look at, I would do so many things to change those experiences because I didn't love them. And yet at the same time, I accept the fact that they have happened. And so because of that, I'm going to move forward and try and learn from them, grow for them and carry them with me. Because a lot of times, I mean, you tell your story and I'm sure that so many people resonate with some piece of that. And that alone allows them. It's like giving them the permission just to take the next step in their life. Good. Well, and, and just like Thanos, I mean, I, I love the Marvel movies, but you know, he says, I am inevitable, you know, like that's <laughs> suffering. Suffering is inevitable. It's going to happen. So you're either going to be able to make sense of it and you're going to be able to learn from it. Not that you love it, but you can learn from it or it can crush you and make you a lesser version of yourself. So I choose to learn from my suffering and to grow in it. And then um, like the scriptures say, I want to comfort those with the comfort I've received in Christ. So I can then serve people that have lost a mother, serve people that have broken their legs and had back surgeries and serve people that have, feel like they don't have a lot of family. Uh, I get to serve those people with my story. And so use your story as a weapon against mm. evil or injustice or whatever you, whatever you feel like is harming the world. That's what I choose to do. That's good. That's really good. So at what point did ex nihilo become a thing for you? I mean, it's always been a thing, right? <laughs> Something from nothing. But like, when, when did that become a part of your story? Why did you decide to pursue that direction? Find that, like, what was that for you? Yeah, great question. I, for me, I, I grew up in a home and also have a lot of friends and family that I watched suffer from lifestyle choices. And I just chose at a young age that I did not want that to be me as best I could. There are a lot of things that happen outside of our control, to be sure. But chronic disease is something that often we choose for ourselves. And so I didn't want to suffer. I suffer enough. I don't want to suffer more by my own hand. So this was, uh, this was for me, something that happened early on. It merged with the idea that I was an athlete, that I knew that I needed to uh, eat a certain way in order to, in order to perform a certain way. And so kind of merging those two ideas. And then when I met Christ, I began to study the Bible. And I really understood this story 
in the early part of the Bible in Genesis, where you see that creation is flourishing. It's good. Everything works. But what, if you know anything about the human body, you know that it's constantly breaking down. It's like a car, right? It's like it needs maintenance constantly. And I'm like, I don't know if God created us for heartburn and stomach <laughs> problems and brain fog. I, I just, I have to believe that that's a result of the fall. And as I began to study that, I really, I really see, I see this connection between God's creation, this fractured nature, this disconnection between God and his people, but also God's people and creation. Mm -hmm. There's a fracture there. And so I was just became fascinated with it. And as I was a pastor, I was like, I just was like, you know what? I really like sports and athletics. I really love working out. I also really am fascinated by nutrition and health and how, how it manifests, you know, creates the human body or, or I guess breaks it down. So I'm seeing a, a fantastic connection. And so I go clicking around and I'm like, there's not a lot on this, you know, almost nothing. In fact, a couple books, you know, here and there, a couple things about Daniel fast, Daniel plan. But other than that, there's nothing. So I'm like, I should try to create some stuff for people to help them because I know Christians have answers, but a lot of people um, are, are staring down their health, feeling unhealthy, but don't even have the biblical motivation um, to do anything about it. But there is a tremendous biblical motivation. So that's kind of why I got started. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I mean, I, again, so interesting to me, like, I, I don't know why this is, but Christians are seem to be some of the most unhealthy people that are out there. <laughs> like, they just like, I guess it's like all the donuts and, uh, you know, <laughs> and whatever oh, yeah. else goes into that huge potlucks. But oh, yeah. I agree with you that there is very little um, with good biblical grounding um, spoken of in this regard. And yet we see and hear, I love the fact that you, you know, you paint this picture of pre-fall and Adam and Eve were created, right? They were, I mean, from the best we can understand, right? They were going to live eternally. There was no death. There was no decay. Everything around them was bountiful and fruitful and none of that was going to decay. Like there was no, you know, need to be a, I don't know, a carnivore or a vegan or not, you know, drink dairy or, you know, whatever. It was like, you could just do whatever you wanted because it was all there. And then, you know, the fall happens and all of a sudden we're inflicted with all these things. And, but then we see all throughout the Bible, all of these ways in which we are to honor our body, that we are to, um, to, to strive for, like to, to produce. And, uh, and I just feel like it's almost as though Christians in many regards just kind of throw their hands up. It's like, well, it's just, you know, my, my body is just going to die and, you know, then I'm going to go to heaven. And so I'm just not going to worry that much about it now. I almost think like they worry more about the trees than they do about their own body. Well, that's certainly true. I mean, goodness gracious. Well, I, I think there's there's some good in the sense that you're saying, hey, listen, I don't want my body to be the, the utter focus of my mm -hmm. of everything I strive for. Like, absolutely, I'm with you. And so we got this moment, we had this moment in the 70s and 80s where you had like bodybuilding came onto the scene and you had steroid era mm -hmm. and then and you have Jane Fonda and like this like, sort of, uh, they have this sort of like, emphasis on health for the first time ever. Well, people forget that that's actually a reaction to what happened. So there's this, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but there's this large study that happens in the 50s and 60s that essentially vilifies saturated fat and gives essentially carbohydrates and sugar a pass 
So all the marketing companies understand that people know that. And so what they do is they begin to make products with no saturated fat. And then they substitute trans fat, hydrogenated oils, things like that. And then high sugar and high carbohydrates. And so you get things like pop tarts and Cheez-Its and all of these like kind of Franken foods that kind of result as out of this. And so people start getting unhealthy. They start dropping dead at heart attacks and like, well, what's happening? So then we get this like exercise. Uh, and so people saw the result of this vanity and said, you know what, like I'm out on that. Like, I don't want to be vain. And, and here's the thing. So we, we, then we reconcile that with like all of the scripture verses. And Jesus says, it's not what goes into the body that defiles a man, but what comes out of a body. And so we go, see, Jesus is saying, I could eat whatever I want. And like, well, no, that's not exactly what he meant. And so, and so what I think is happening is people actually, so Christians care about everything way too much. Churches, pastors especially care about everything too much. We're, we're preachers and sneakers, right? Prophets and watches. We're, 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 we're seeing what pastors are wearing. Should I buy this car? Should I, you know, what movies should we watch? Should they be rated R? Should they be PG-13? But this is the one area where Christianity has allowed culture to fully dictate uh, the pace. So we're saying wait, all things in moderation, you know, calories in, calories out. And we just take the mantras from the culture instead of actually saying, well, what is the best way to, uh, to honor our body or honor God with our body? So we don't do that. We take our cues from culture. So, uh, so today, what does your, like in the present day, what, what is your typical routine for keeping your head screwed on right, your heart in a good place, and staying as jacked as you do? <laughs> well, if you're asking, my, are you asking my personal yeah. routine or what should yeah. someone do? Yeah, what, so what I, you- yeah, that's great. So I wake up at 5 a.m. to work out because I realize I've got my peak time for my brain capacity and what I can get done is between 5 and 9 a.m. So that's my best four hours of the day. So anything I feel like is most important, I want to do. And so it's like if you're saving money, you know, the reason why a lot of people can't save money is because they they save whatever is left at the end of the month, they put in the savings account. So it's like you do the same thing with your time. So for me, it's like I'm going to pay myself first. Mm. So I pay my time first. So I go to the I work out immediately. And then when I come up, I get some, you know, pre post-workout stuff or whatever. And then I go right to the scriptures. So for me, it's like bang, bang, those two things. And so I can get as much Bible reading as I can with my, my function brain. And then I get, um, you know, I get obviously that workout in. And that really gives me like a mental edge for the day. Now, for some people, it's like they need to work out in the evening. They work on the afternoon. Great. Like wherever time it is for you, do it. But for me, it's like I got to get up and know that people are sleeping while I'm working out. Um, and then when I'm reading the scriptures, my kids are getting up and things like that. And it's like, okay, great. I can be dad for a bit. Uh, maybe read a little something with my wife. And then, you know, I, I'm a big fan of bulletproof coffee. And so I'll do, it's like brain octane oil, grass fed butter and, and some coffee. I don't do it every day, but I do love that. Especially when I got a sermon or some big study days, uh, or I've got a, like a, 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 a motivational speech or whatever. I do some of those as well. I'll always drink one of those and use some, um, man, am I getting in the weeds? Cause I, I can No, get, this is good. I, like, I okay, love good. it. I love this. I, th- this is the stuff, right? I mean, I think like my family and I were just having this conversation yesterday. So we were sitting around eating and for some reason we got on the topic of uh, athletes that have, that kind of like let themselves go after they retire. And so, you know, not to knock them, you know, like they're still great athletes, but like you look at Charles Barkley in his prime and you look at Charles Barkley today behind the desk, not, not, not a good look necessarily. Shaq, right? Kind of same thing. 
And so little by little, like all these athletes go. And so for everybody that is going to, is going to see this on video or like goes and follows you on Instagram or something like you're in great shape. Uh, and you've been out of the NFL for how long now? Uh, about seven years. Yeah. So like eight years. And, yeah. and so injury plus early retirement could have easily spiraled you, right? Like that could have been a really easy way to just, you know, gone off the, gone off the deep end, but it seems like you've been very proactive and I'm a firm believer. So I, I CrossFit six days a week. Um, I care a decent amount about what the food I put in my body, the way I treat my body. I don't limit anything. I like to have fun, but still, and I firmly believe that by doing that, I can produce so much more for my clients, for my, for our church, for my family. And so it seems like you're in that same boat. And again, everything that I read uh, from you around how you focus on a morning routine or even hearing it today or talking about mindset, talking about good foods to eat and things to stay away from. Like, I think that's important for people to hear. Good. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. I, I, one, I have a huge fear of like this sort of like former athlete who lets himself go thing. Um, just <laughs> because good. it's like, Sometimes fear like is I, good. I don't want to be the 49 year old, 72 year old athlete who's like way over shape. And he's like, I'm going back to high schools to talk about my, what I did when I was 24. <laughs> like, I, no, I just don't want to do that. I want to live from 24 to 72. So, um, and I want to do it well. So one of the things that's really important for me is like anti, anti-inflammatory diets. You know, the mm-hmm. NFL, obviously, people know, understand about inflammation. Inflammation is the number one precursor to all major modern Western diseases. So if you can limit inflammation, you have a good shot at not getting those diseases. Not to say you won't, but you have a good shot. So for me, CTE is a huge thing. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. It's a brain, it's a degenerative brain condition that NFL players have gotten. Um, I've got friends that are 33 years old. I can't remember their, you know, can't remember basic appointments or what happened two weeks ago. I don't have those problems, but I want to try to prevent them if they do come. So bulletproof coffee is really helpful in that. I like to do um, things like uh, there's a, a supplement I use called unfair advantage. It's just like CoQ10, things like that for brain function. I use a supplement called Siltep. I really like it. It's, um, it's basically like a, like a nootropic, you know, it's like a brain, brain functioning power kind of thing. Really, really good help. It creates cell energy. Those sort of things before studying, before preaching. Like I tried to help pastor that. I'm like, yo man, if you are struggling with your sermon, like this is, or even like if you're at work and you're just trying to get work done, if you focus in, you can actually hack that time and get a ton of production out of it. So I'm like, well, if I'm going to preach and 400 people there, or if I'm going to a large conference and a thousand people there, if I'm preaching at a small church, or I'm at a small group, like I want to make sure that I communicate the information I want to communicate. So those are the sort of supplements I think it's necessary for people to take. Like, why not? Like, they're not that expensive. Yeah. And uh, I mean, in addition to like the millions of things you can Google on CTE, you know, one of the most eye-opening things that I've seen in the longest time was watching uh, the story of Aaron Hernandez, uh, the documentary that they did on Netflix. And you look at you know, uh, his repetitive concussions. And I, I'm pretty sure it was CTE that he he had and just the degenerative um, act, things that, you know, like his brain was just like wasting away. And I mean, it, it, it in part of, you know, in some way, like helped to create this monster. And obviously that's the extreme nature of it. But all the way back to the pastor talk right now, I mean, most pastors, 
grind, just grind themselves into the ground. They don't sleep, they don't eat well, and then they just get jacked up on coffee only and nothing else. It's like they're just, they treat themselves so bad and yeah. somehow expect that they're going to well shepherd. And I'm just like, dude, you're, you're, you're actually not, you're just not, not even going to shepherd. You're literally going to kill yourself early. Yeah, if you want to be as best you can for your people, for your family, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to put a premium fuel into your tank, especially if you're a high performer. Everyone, I think most high level, C level people, director level people understand that concept. But in the church, I mean, it, it's almost like, no, I can't, I can't think about this. I've got to get to the people. Like I've got to get on mission. And it's like, well, you've got to fuel your body for the mission, especially if you want to do it long. Like Paul says, you want to run the race well, like not run it like terribly. Like, mm -hmm. how do you want to run it? Like, we'll put some fuel in your tank. And, uh, people, and and so I think that understanding diet, understanding habits, it's gonna make it's gonna increase your days. It's gonna pastors, church planners suffer from burnout like at an extraordinary rate. So being able to actually sustain yourself for the long haul, yeah. you're gonna want to be able to understand some of these principles. And I've helped a couple pastors do this through some different coaching and things like that. Just to say, hey, like if you were to structure your day well and only tweak these few things, your life would be a lot better. And instead of getting like the blueberry muffin and like the, the chocolate milk with your latte at the Starbucks while you're typing away, what if instead of that, you just brought some food with you or chose this? And so it's just like basic small things. Like Paul says to live as Christ to die as gain. Like I'm all, I totally agree, obviously with Paul, but you don't got to die faster yeah, to get yeah. there. You know, no, no. don't speed up the process. No, Jesus ate, Jesus slept, you should too, right? I mean, it's just like, you're not impervious. He didn't have Red Bull to chug or Monster <laughs> Energy drinks either. Gosh. Um, <laughs> Okay, so um, as we're beginning to, or we're landing the plane now, kind of uh, coming up on our time, what are some of the best ways to connect with you? I know you got a website, social yeah. media. I think I even saw on your website, there was a quick start guide. So I don't know if that's something. Um, so yeah. what are some of the ways people can connect if they, if they want to learn more about you and about what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah, so um, you can go to our website, exnihilohealth.com. That's a, it's essentially a, a web collection of blogs and podcasts about uh, biblical wellness and health. Um, our YouTube channel is Ex Nihilo Health on YouTube. Uh, I put out three or four videos a week, just short principles, and then also we put our podcast up there as well. Um, you can get the Quick Start Guide to Health. It's 13 pages, uh, just basically how, how I want to start. How do I start? How do I start getting healthy? Why do I start getting healthy? It's got a, you know, what, what to eat list, what not to eat list. Totally worth the, the price you pay for it, which is $0. So it's free. <laughs> you get what you pay for. Um, and then you can, you can follow me on, uh, on Instagram or Twitter, Real E. Williams. Uh, and I'm also putting together a course called the Healthy Believer Blueprint for people. And so that's actually going to be really awesome uh, just because so many pastors and so many people are asking, I've done coaching, but it's like, man, this is a better way to scale it. And it's a lot cheaper for people. Mm. So putting that together, stay tuned for that as well. When, when's that going to be live? Do you have an idea yet? Uh, it's live at the end of August. Okay. Okay. So I think this podcast will go live probably the middle of August. So it'll come right up on that. So I'll make sure to link to the website, link to the YouTube channel, link to social, and I'll put a direct link in there too, if I remember uh, to, the, uh, to the quick start guide. I think those are some helpful ways. Um, Matt, I, just 
Thank you. Um, you know, I think that you know we hit on nine thousand different things all at once. But I think that at the end of the day, you know, starting with this um, very uh, just present reality of so much struggle, so much hurt, so much confusion, so much challenge, and then coming all the way to the end with this understanding that you know ultimately it's hope in Christ. And, and that being the answer to our suffering, but also, you know, this, this pursuit of trying to do the best I can to treat my body well, to care for myself so I can endure, so I can persevere. I think that um, just so much value in what you shared. So just thank you so much, Eddie. Good work. Brian, thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate what you're doing and gotten to check out an episode of your podcast and it's fantastic. So thanks a lot, my friend. Thanks, man. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, feedback, I don't know, just want to have a conversation, make sure to hit me up. I will put Eddie's contact information into the show notes as well. As always, I say, if you want the best from the life that you're living, be more of yourself. With that, peace. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.